This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king when the Mariners needed him the most. Two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now here's your host Gary Hill. Podcast time. Thanks for being back. Mariners losing last night. They can't get the sweep. They do win the series over the Texas Rangers. So we'll talk about that coming up in a few. We won't talk about it for very long, though. We'll be brief as we'll move on to what is going to be a huge four-game series. So we'll take a look at the Kansas City Royals. M's go to KC for four. Leonis Martin will be here as well. We'll hear from him. Also, Aaron Goldsmith, a very interesting conversation with a member of the Texas Rangers with some local ties. And also, we got so busy around uh, Hall of Fame weekend with everything going on. I always love to play the Dave Niehaus Hall of Fame speech in its entirety. And finally, I'm going to get to it in this podcast. So that is all coming up. A little bit of housekeeping. I want to thank... Uh, few of you for alerting me about the trouble with the podcast posting yesterday morning. So just to take you inside how this works. So I record these after the game sometime, finish, I don't know, midnight, one, whatever, and then send it off to, I post it to Major League Baseball, and then they are the ones that actually put it up. So that's generally how it works. So I go to bed, wake up at 6 a.m. or whatever, 6, 7, and always assuming that it's up and everything's fine. So I appreciate when you have problems getting to it. If it doesn't, if it's not there or you can't download it or whatever, I appreciate you letting me know so I can talk to them and get it straightened out. So I often check the first thing. Sometimes I don't, though, for whatever reason. So I always appreciate you letting me know if you have any problems at all. You can reach me on Twitter at Gary Hill Jr., uh, GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I always appreciate everyone listening as well. I haven't said that for a while, but uh, this would not work. This would not happen without you. And the feedback is always great. So anytime you have anything to say at all, good or bad, uh, send it my way. I appreciate it. So let's get to the ball game last night. Mariners taking on the Texas Rangers. House money time. Looking for the sweep. Uh, We talked about it in the podcast yesterday, how Miranda has had some problems with the long ball, his fly ball rate highest in baseball, and the fear was in Texas not a great match, and he did. He had some problems with the long ball. The 1-0. 
Swing and it's hammered high out to the gap in left center field. Heredia and Dyson are moving over. They're out of the warning track. Heredia trying to scale the wall. It's over the fence into the bullpen for a home run. Elvis Andrews, a two-run shot in what has been a career power season. His 15th for Elvis Andrews. And the air makes it a two-run homer to make it now 5-1 Rangers. Third home run tonight for Texas. Yeah, Miranda gave up three of them in five and two-thirds, four earned runs. Mariners had some chances just with runners in scoring position, one for nine in the ball game. continued to look for that big hit during the ball game. Never quite got there. As the Mariners just one run, Texas wins five to one. Although there were some great plays defensively again, and again, this outfield is so good defensively, not just getting to everything hit, but their throws, just tremendous. The one-two pitch on the way to Beltray, swinging a fly ball into right field, backing up is Martin. Leonis has a good arm. He's there, will make the catch, tagging at third is Chu, heading home. The throw will go to third to Seager, and it's in time to get Andrews trying to go from second to third. Holy smokes, what a throw by Leonis Martin. A run will score. Chu will score from third, but Andrews is out trying to go from second to third. What a throw by Martin on the fly to Kyle Seeger. Another great throw in this series. Another one, and then Dyson did it again. Drew swing and a fly ball into left center field. Back of the ball toward the warning track. Calling for it is Dyson. He's got plenty of room and he's there to make the catch. Tagging at first. Heading for second is Chu. The throw to Cano. Down with a tag and out at second base is Chu. And Dyson does it again. Last night he threw out Delano DeShields trying to go from first to third on a base hit by Mazzara to center field. Andrews flies out to left center with Dyson making the catch. A chance to show off that strong right arm again. There it was. So a couple of great plays, but not enough. Mariners fall to the Rangers 5-1. to one. They take the series. They can't get the sweep. Talk about KC in a second. First, let's hear from the skipper. Yeah, it uh, certainly wasn't the way we, we wanted to end the series here. We played really good the last couple nights, but uh, you know, home runs hurt us tonight, and, and we just couldn't get much going offensively. We had some guys on there earlier in the game and couldn't get the big hit with runners in scoring position to you know keep the line moving and, and put a big inning up there. So, uh, you know, we are in the game uh, most of the night, just like I said, just didn't get the big hit uh, when we needed to to get back into the game. But, you know, uh, home runs have hurt us a little bit this year. Um, I think we lead the league in giving them up. Unfortunately, we've... we've you know, they got a couple tonight, and I thought Miranda's stuff was, was actually okay. He's made a couple mistakes, and they weren't base hits or doubles. They, they went over the fence. So when you have fly ball pitchers, like, can you do? I mean, is that kind of the result when you make mistakes? Oh, it can happen. You still got to pitch, you know, and, and make pitches and execute pitches. And, uh, you know, obviously Gallo had a good series against us. Uh, we, we didn't pitch him very well all series. But, uh, you know, I think the thing is we, you know, coming to the series you're trying to win the series we did win the series uh we, we did accomplish that we we move on to the next one we got you know we get to kansas city and you know they played well against us uh, in safeco so we need to get back after them dyson with another assist fantastic throw but how about the throw from martin and right yeah it was both those guys uh, you know dyson i got trying to take up early but the throw leonis made is about as good as it gets uh, i don't know what the stat cast numbers are on that but uh you know, obviously, uh, Andrus is a, a good base runner and an aggressive one, but Leonis got behind the ball, and he's got a tr- tremendous arm, but uh, that was a special play, no doubt. Big play in the game, you know, keep it right there. Scott, I know you're trying to keep it in the moment, but any thoughts on the series in Kansas City? 
Uh, you know, they got a good club. They've been playing well. They've, they've, they've been through it. You know, they've won. Uh, they've gotten deep in the playoffs and have won it all. So, uh, you know, be a good series. We're looking forward to it. Uh, I think that's kind of our, our motto all, all month is, you know, bring it on. Uh, we're playing good ball. Not a great game tonight, but, uh, you know, over the last week or so, we, we played very well. So it'll be a good series. Cashman just make pitches when he needed to. Yeah, he kept the ball down. You know, he did. Uh, you know, he was back and forth a little bit. Um, you know, made some change-ups uh, against our left-handed pitch, uh, left-handed hitters. Uh, but, you know, i got to give him credit. Uh, he kept us off balance tonight. But, again, we had guys on, just couldn't get the big hit. You don't see many guys you can hit the ball or go hit it to the past two nights. Yeah, he's got a lot of power. Yes, he does. He has a lot of power, and the M's won't have to deal with him. For this series coming up against Kansas City, a – Massive series. So here's what things look like heading into today. Yankees still holding. Well, Yankees now holding the first wild card. They flip-flop with Boston as they go back and forth. Yankees up by two games on KC. They have the second wild card. Fortunately, the Mariners did not lose ground to Kansas City. They lost yesterday as well. In fact, they've lost three in a row now. Tampa is the closest. They're a half game back of Kansas City. Mariners one and a half back of Kansas City. The advantage, though, the M's have KC for four. Tampa has another one with Houston coming up tomorrow. Yankees taking on Cleveland. So all very interesting. So Mariners and the Kansas City Royals starting tonight for four games. This is a really interesting series. In some ways, these teams are really looking in a mirror at one another because they've had – Kind of similar journeys this year, similar aspects to their teams this year. What's striking, I guess, when you look at the first part of this season, both these teams until May 27th, so nearly two months into the season, both teams, the bottom of the American League. Mariners had, on May 27th, they had just gotten – shut out by Brian Johnson in Boston. They were 21-29, and 29, the worst record in the American League. The Royals were 21-27, and 27, the second worst record in the American League. Now, starting on May 28th, it's been a completely different story. The Royals, this is coming into yesterday, 34-23, and 23, the second-best record in the American League since then. Houston only better. The Mariners, 34-24, and 24, 10 games above 500, the third-best record in the American League. So both teams have really surged since struggling early on. In a lot of ways, they're very similar. You look at July last month, and it was the bullpens. Both teams really relying heavily on their bullpens. The Royals, a 2.00 ERA out of the pen in July, the very best in baseball. The Mariners a 2.29, the second-best bullpen in all of Major League Baseball behind the Royals. Kansas City really struggled offensively to start the season, but they've gotten better and better and better offensively every month. Just 63 runs scored in the first month for the Royals. But then 115 in May, they cranked it up to 136 in June, and then 141 in July. To put that in context, in July, they scored the second most runs in the American League. The Astros, 174, blew everyone apart. Not a surprise. But the Royals right there with 141. I mean, they smashed a 
ton of home runs, and the Mariners saw this in person. They hit uh, a lot of long balls against the M's, but 38 home runs in the month. That's the third most in the American League behind the Astros and the Rangers. So as they've gotten better offensively throughout, their bullpen has been lights out, and it's led to a lot of wins. At the same time, they have still struggled with the rotation as we've moved through the season. They have just not been able to find the consistency out of the rotation. Jason Vargas has been an all-star. He's been excellent this year, 3.00 ERA coming into yesterday and 20 starts. Danny Duffy is tremendous, very talented, very good. He was on the DL for quite some time. 17 starts, a 3.42 ERA. He's got 85 punch outs in 108 innings. Ian Kennedy, 4.60 ERA. Jason Hamill, he's pitched better. It was off to a rocky start this season. He's been better as of late, but uh, the rotation just has not been able to find the consistency this year, and that's really what the Mariners are looking for as well. I mean, the Mariners' bullpen has been really good. Their offense has certainly been good enough to win a ton of games. They've been finding, trying to find that consistency out of the bullpen. You look at the ERAs for the Kansas City rotation in July, you know, bullpen at 2.00, the rotation was above 5 in the month of July. So, again, this is a really interesting series on a lot of levels because of the way these teams match up and also with the standings implications as well. Mike Moustakis, one to watch, already at 30 home runs on the season. He's had a great year. Eric Hosmer has been excellent as well, a 379 on base percentage, 16 homers, 21 RBIs. What Merrifield has been a surprise. Sal Perez has had an excellent season behind the plate. Don't see a lot of catchers this year with the kind of offensive season he has had. They just traded for Melky Cabrera to try and add some punch to the outfield. Alex Gordon has struggled big time this season. Brandon Moss, too, at the DH spot. Hasn't had the same sort of punch he's had in years past. So they're looking for they were looking to help bolster their offense a little bit. So this is a series that I'm really looking forward to. And this is a big series for the M's. It's going to be tough on the road. Kansas City has played really well at home this year. In fact, they've played quite a bit better at home than they have on the road. 30 and 23 at home, 25 and 28 on the road. Although they have lost three in a row. We'll see if the Mariners can continue that streak on KC. Here's what the pitching matchups look like for the series. It's going to be Ivani Gallardo taking the ball in game one against Trevor Cahill who came over in a deadline deal. He's already made one start for the Royals. After 11 starts with the Padres this year, 61 innings pitched in that time frame, 3.69 ERA, 72 strikeouts in 61 innings, an excellent strikeout rate, and just allowed six home runs as well. First start with the Royals didn't go all that well. just lasted four innings, eight hits, Five runs earned, a couple of home runs, and a couple of walks in his first outing in a Royals uniform. So he's part of the answer. At least that's part of the KC's uh, hope that he's part of the answer in terms of the rotation struggle. Uh, Boston was able to get to him in his first start in a Royals uniform. So he gets the ball against Gallardo in game one of the series. 5-15 first pitch tonight. 5:15 on Friday, James Paxton against Jason Hamill. 
And it's Saturday. This should be a good one. 4-15, Felix against Danny Duffy. And then on Sunday, 11-15, Erasmo Ramirez, Ian Kennedy for the Royals. So a very big four-game series. We'll talk more about the series coming up in the podcast tomorrow as uh, game one will be under the Mariners' belts. We'll see what happens in game one tonight, see if they can crawl that much closer to the wild card. Should be a fun one. So now with the Royals preview out of the way, let's hear from Leonis Martin sitting down with Shannon Dreyer. All right, Leonis A., it's good to see you back, and it's great to see you make an immediate impact. I just want to go a couple days ago when you found out that you were coming back. Uh, I'm sure you wanted to show something a little different. We've been seeing what you had been doing. Kind of take us through what you'd been working on and, and where you're at right now. You know, first of all, I'm so happy to be here but with the big club and, you know, trying to, like, contribute with the team to make their playoff. And, uh, you know, it was a, was a top, tough process for me when to triple A, but at the same time I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I went down there to work and, like, really hard, you know, to get the feeling back and, you know, put my mind ready to in baseball, you know. But I find myself, you know, I find myself at home play and I'm completely different. I feel like a completely different guy in home play. And I feel really good. Uh, I don't have any put any pressure to myself. Just go out there and like every time I go out there to have fun and play the game for the right weight, and that's all. I remember talking to you in spring training, and you were doing things a little different. You knew what you should be at the plate, but you can do so many things. It seems like finding yourself maybe means kind of shrinking that a little bit and yeah. figuring out what that is. It was like thinking like my first Kobe and Billy. And you know my mechanic, what I do, the routine, the batting cage routine, the the batting practice and stuff like that. And you know, and during the game, just go out there and don't think in anything. Get my my plan from the bat and keep the plan on it and see the ball and hit it. That's it. Don't think too much. Don't try to overdo. It. That's all. That's been the key for me. Don't try to be this guy. Don't try to be that guy. Just see the ball. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, you're right. Your first game back, and they're saying, okay, you're going to play right field. <laughs> it's been a little while for you. What was that like to go out there? Uh, you know, it's a, you're going to get, you're going to catch a fly ball. It's the same, but it's a little bit, like, weird when you're playing the corner and you're playing the center field because you see the top spin, the, the back spin. It's a little bit different, but you're going to figure out a way to to try to get better every day. And right now, like, I figured. You got tested right away, too, that ball that you caught. Did you know you had that? Did you see that the way you expected to? Mm, that was tough to read because it was a low, hard land drive. But, like, I thought that I had a big chance to make that play. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I get a good jump, and yeah. thanks, God, I made the play. <laughs> <laughs> and then to hit one off the hit at your cafe, too. Uh, what did you see on that? And, I mean, we know you've got the power to do that. <laughs> as soon as I hit that ball, I knew it was gone. And when I run the base, it was thanks, God. Like, you bring me here and thanks. Like, this is, like, 
very, very, very special moment for me, my feather back after being out for a long time. And you give me a homer. Thank you very much. That's what I, from the base, I was thinking. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thanks, God, for you did. It was like a present? Yeah. <laughs> very nice. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's a good day. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that was a good day for the whole team. It was such mm-hmm. a nice win. And for you to come back and now the team in the position that it is, what do you see that you have to do as a team in the next two months? Keep doing what we've seen, like, in these couple games. It's like you see okay, come back uh, the last nine. You know, keep playing, keep battling every single bat, every single pitch. You never know what's gonna happen to twenty seven now, you know. And what I see last night is the same thing but I see last year. Like we never give up the game till you till we get to twenty seven now. And I like that. That was that was very very special for me last night too. Like we're facing one of the best fish in the lead lefty, right. and we were able to make the comeback. That was really good. That means we we were ready to compete, and we we can get where we want. It's like last September, isn't it? Yeah, Except you're right. Earlier, but we start a little bit earlier this year. <laughs> you're gonna need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's very impressive what we did last night. What we as a team. That's, that was a good job last night as a team, you know. Felix, like, he was, like, a little bit difficult to get through the innings in the first couple of innings, and after he get the job done, and, like, hitters, like, the game doesn't start really good from the, in the beginning, and after we make adjustment, we did it. We did it. It was very good. Well, that's what it's going to take, and it yeah. looks like you guys know that. Leonis, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And here's Aaron Goldsmith with... Brett Nichols, backup catcher for the Texas Rangers, and you may not realize he's got some local ties. Brett, we saw you last year make your major league debut at Safeco Field, and if anyone looked at the back of the baseball card that you're on, no one would have any idea that you really grew up a Mariners fan. You're a Phoenix kid. Can you tell us how all this began? Yeah, so my uh, my whole family lives up in uh, Tacoma and Puyallup, and uh, so we'd go up there during the summers. You know, my dad traveled for work, so my mom took uh, me and my two sisters up there for two months at a time and we went down to you know the kingdom and then the safeco when it was built and just kind of naturally became uh, mariners fans a huge griffey fan watching him uh and then back in phoenix uh, our, our closest spring training facility was uh peoria where the mariners and padres are so we'd we'd go watch them then in the spring and go see them practice up close and just kind of naturally happened and uh you know it was a fun team to watch and and uh a lot of fun to you know learn baseball from and what better way to honor Ken Griffey Jr. than by naming your dog after him, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he's super honored by that. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, it's just something that reminds me, you know, of, of uh, kind of growing up, and and you know, he's uh, he's a happy dog, and and it, it felt like it fit. So, you mentioned the kingdom. Can you tell us what your earliest kingdom Safeco Field memory happened to be? Yeah, so um, I actually went to the kingdom and they were playing the, the Red Sox. So I was sitting there watching. I remember, we had a pretty good tickets down the first baseline uh, and Mo Vaughn out there. And just, uh, I think the biggest thing that game was seeing how big those guys were. And uh, especially, you know, Mo Vaughn playing first base. But you had guys in the outfield like Jay Buhner and, and watching Edgar hit. I mean, those guys were um, a lot bigger up close than I, I, I saw on TV. We will have a chance to retire the number 11 coming up in this upcoming homestand for the Mariners, Edgar Martinez. When you think about Edgar Martinez and what he has meant to the Mariners, and now now you see him in the opposing dugout, is that kind of surreal for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's what's so great about baseball is, uh, you know, you, you play and you give everything you got when you play, and then um, it's kind of like you give back to your brothers once you're done. You know, make, it's it's awesome seeing him now. He's passing on the knowledge, I'm sure, to those guys. And, you know, it's, it's cool to see guys that played still in the game and, and coaching and, and loving the game. So when you made your Major League debut last year, it happened to come at Safeco Field, and it was a, a really emotional moment as it is for any young player making their debut, but for you in particular, and a large part of that is because of your grandfather. Can you tell us the story? Yeah, so I, uh, growing up, you know, um, especially being in the summer up there, you know, he, he taught me what it, what it was like to have fun on the ball field, and, uh, you know, on, on the ball field, on the golf course, he just taught me to have fun at whenever I'm playing, and um, it really doesn't matter, and so I went to a game, uh, they were playing the White Sox, and I went to the, one of the first Safeco games, um, had a blast, and, and told them after that game, you know, I, I'm going to leave you a ticket there one day. I'm gonna, you're going to have a ticket at Will Call. And the year before, we came and played Tacoma and AAA, and I, I got to do that. And it was pretty special, but then to make the debut and um, see him, you know, get that ticket and, and have pictures of him getting that ticket, it's just um, he's easily the number one memory I'll ever have. Uh, and just... I mean, that's how baseball is. It works out so perfectly. And, you know, when they're meant to happen, they happen. And that's a, that's a memory that I can share with, with my family and, and, and my, my little boy now. And it's, so it's, it's incredible. Right, it's getting kind of dusty in here. I think this is a good time <laughs> to close it off. I really appreciate the time. It's great to meet you. Yeah, thank you very much. And now it's time for the Hall of Fame speech. I, I just wish everybody could experience the feeling that I'm having now. There'll never be anything like it again in my lifetime. And about a month ago, I was standing behind the batting cage at Yankee Stadium and asked Reggie Jackson just what advice he would give me on this exact moment. Now I know it was very sage advice. He said, don't look behind you or you don't have a chance. It can be very intimidating. Can it ever? Those are real baseball cards back there that, and a lot of them, uh, made such sweet sound in my bicycle spokes many years ago. And it blows my mind to see them sitting here behind me today. When one receives an ultimate honor like this, the fear is that you are going to forget to thank someone, and to him or her, I hereby already apologize. Come with me now to the front porch of 625 Northwest Street, Princeton, Indiana. In 1946, on a hot, sultry July evening, just like today, about 8.30 at night, and an 11-year-old boy is chasing lightning bugs and capturing them in a mason jar that had holes punched into it with an ice pick. Every once in a while, he would squish one between his thumb and forefinger just to see the glow. Now, come on now, you know you've done that too. Dad is sitting on the porch with a cold slice of watermelon on one knee and a hot ear of buttered corn on the other, with a cold beverage sitting on the ground. And suddenly, from the old Zenith floor model radio in the living room comes this voice screaming, it might be! It could be! It is! And the young boy jumps about three or four inches off the ground with each halting phrase. Magic is happening in St. Louis, Missouri. Stan Musial has hit another home run. 
about a zillion miles away, and a career has germinated that ends up here in Cooperstown today. Your first thoughts on a day like this go out to your most dearly beloved ones. On a summer evening in 1963, I had a date with a beautiful girl. I was going to take her to Dodger Stadium to see again Stan Musial make his final appearance in Los Angeles. I took her to dinner first, asked her to marry me, and never made it to the game. And here she sits, 45 years later. I wouldn't be here without you, Marilyn. You gave me two sons and a daughter, and they have given me six fabulous grandchildren. How lucky can a man be? To quote A. Bartlett Giamatti, the real activity was done with the radio, not the seeing, all falsifying television, and was the playing of the game in the only place it will last, the enclosed green field of the mind. Radio plays with the mind. It gives you a mental workout and delusions of grandeur. That's what Harry Carey did to me. My dad took me to my first big league ballpark at Old Sportsman's Park in St. Louis, probably, I don't know, 1947, 48. And quite frankly, I was never so disappointed in my life. Carey had put these guys on such a pedestal, I just knew it was a Parthenon. And I was going, that I was going to, and not a ballpark. You know what, years later, I know I was right on both counts. Once you're bitten by the baseball bug, it never goes away. And that's what happened to me after college. I was drafted into the Army, and after basic training, I was assigned to the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And after six weeks of on-the-job training, I was sent to New York City to finish out my tour of military duty at 57th and Broadway in the Fisk Building. Tough duty, to be sure. Casey Stengel befriended this lonely GI and talked baseball into the wee hours of the morning one day. After Uncle Sam was done with me, he asked me if I would work for him as a civilian back in Los Angeles, which I did for some six years, broadcasting for EFRS as a civilian to the Angels, the Dodgers, the Lakers, you name it. The best experience a young man could get. Along came 1966, and I hooked up with Golden West Broadcasters owned by the legendary Gene Autry, who, of course, owned the Angels. Ten years later, when I joined the Mariners, Gene said to me, David, you call a hell of a game. Not the game I'm watching, but a hell of a game. <laughs> so maybe I'm representing the guys that have added a little whipped cream and cherry to the great game of baseball, for which I plead guilty, and I'm very proud. I've been blessed with incredibly talented partners. Dick Enberg, Hall of Famer Don Drysdale, one of my best friends. Wish he could be here today. Buddy Blattner, Don Wells, guy who's like a brother to me for 14 years, Ron Fairley. My current crew in Seattle, the best. Rick Riz, Mike Blowers, and Dave Sims, my first partner in Seattle. Ken Wilson is filling in for me today in Toronto. And I don't want to forget him or the world's best radio producer, Kevin Kremen. I've been very lucky with ownerships, all of them. After the original ownership, Ambassador George Ardress bought the ball club, then Jeff Smullyan, 
And finally, the current group headed by Hiroshi Yamachi, Howard Lincoln, Chris Larson, President Chuck Armstrong, Chairman Emeritus John Ellis. I thank all of you. I owe all of you my career. Millions of fans from the Northwest stand here with me today. Believe me, without them, I wouldn't be here today. Over the years, they have been my biggest supporters, and they've been loyal to the Mariners throughout thick and thin. And there was never a doubt in my mind about Seattle being big league territory. From the first pitch, Diego Segui through to Jerry Remy 32 years ago, it's been quite a ride, and it's not over yet. Believe me, the best is yet to come. Cooperstown makes your heart soar while buckling your knees. Nothing will ever replace this moment for those of us on this stage. To Dick Williams, this is long overdue. Talk to the winners who played for him, and they'll swear he's the best there ever was. All <laughs> Although there are a few who would run him down with a car. An incredible man, Dick Williams. I was lucky to be with him in two places, in Anaheim and in Seattle. So, Goose Gossage, closing out his career with the Mariners in 1994, not only closed out his career with pride, but class. And he was a mentor and a pro's pro. I'll never forget one incident. He won't either. There was a number one draft choice in the bullpen with Gossage. His name will be omitted here. He talked a great game. And finally, Goose went up to this kid and said, just how many Cy Young Awards have you won anyway? And that was the last time you ever heard him chirping. My thanks to Lou Pinella for sharing 10 wonderful years of his life with me. Your legacy will live on forever with the Mariners. And finally, I know there are several bigger names who have preceded me in winning this award. There will be several bigger names after me to win this award, but no one will ever be more appreciative. Thank you very much. From Dave Niehaus.